Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about rebuilding the pre-construction process with the help of special guests, Dan Zimmerman and Dan Purnell of Alloy Architecture and Construction in Charlottesville, Virginia. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co-host, Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show. Hey everyone, Tim Fowler here. And I'm really excited about this show today because the pre-construction process in any company is one of the most challenging things that we deal with. So I'm excited about it. I'm glad we could have some guests on that have uh, found a way to make it work. So um, like I always do though, can't get into the show without saying, send me some ideas. Uh, It is one of the hardest things for me to do is to keep this show fresh and exciting for everybody. Hopefully you think it is, but anyway, uh, if you have ideas, send me a note, Tim at Remodelers Advantage. So we're doing this recording on June 21st, which happens to be National Skateboarding Day. So just, uh, you know, if you're a skateboarder out there, celebrate a little bit that you're listening to this podcast. So like I mentioned, one of the most challenging parts of our business is getting the pre-construction process uh, accurate and correct. So This is the time that's leading up to the actual start of work. In other words, the clients are on board. uh, We're doing design. We're doing estimating. We're selling. And so companies that I've dealt with vacillate from we need everything. And then I think one of the biggest excuses I hear is our guys are so good. We don't need everything because they can figure it out. So I believe that in about 80% of the issues that we face on the job site in the actual construction, we can trace back to their origin in the pre-construction process not really working well. In some cases, it's just a selection or two. In other cases, it's, oh, yeah, we can figure that out when we get there. So for those who have listened to it in a recent episode, Dan Purnell, who's one of our guests today, mentioned that they had cut their construction time down uh, in some cases by 40 or 50 percent by creating a better pre-construction process. And of course, old Tim goes, we got to have a podcast (laughs) on that. So here we are uh, doing this. And this has allowed them to do a lot of different things with their pricing as well as their uh, scheduling. And so we want to hear about uh, how they were able to do that. However, I do have to say that in my conversations with a lot of companies, I run into a couple of different problems. And one of them is sales ownership tends to say things like, oh, we can't go to all that trouble because we'll never sell a job or it'll cost way too much or something like that. And then unfortunately, production tends to like, hey, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. And so therefore, I'm off the hook. So I'm one of the things I'm really interested in today is how did the two quote unquote sides get to working on this thing together? Because it takes everybody working on it. It can't just be sales and it can't just be production. So that's a big part of the story today. So Steve, let's go ahead and get going. All right, let's do it. So we have two guests today. Dan Zimmerman is the co-founder of Alloy Architecture and Construction in Charlottesville, Virginia. 
Dan co-founded the company with his business partner, Zach Snyder, in 2007, and they've been together through all of the growing and shrinking pains in the company. The recent accomplishment with Dan and his team, they have committed 100% committed to completing 90% of selections before a signed contract. We also have Dan Purnell. Dan Purnell is the director of production at Alloy. Dan has an integral role of creating very comprehensive pre-production process and was on a recent episode of the Tim Fowler Show looking at different metrics to track profitability and how that can help us make better business decisions. Welcome to the show, Dan and Dan. Thanks. Thanks. Good to be here. All right. So before we get started, I'm going to try to go with Dan Z. And Dan P. There you uh, go. In terms of getting the guests, giving them both a shot at at talking. So before we um, get into the nitty gritty of how you got to make this work, um, Dan Z, why don't you just tell us a little bit more about Alloy Workshop and how it functions and the 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 company itself. Sure, sure. So we're an integrated architecture and construction company. A lot of people refer to that as design build. I sort of make the distinction of architecture and construction because that is how we have separate contracts with our clients. We have a design contract and then we have a construction contract. So I find it useful to make that distinction early on. Um, so my role in the company is I do initial sales uh, and then I am also managing the architecture department. Uh, so um, as we work through our process of, of design, you know, it's really two things. I, I sort of refer to our process as having two phases. There's a dreaming phase, uh, and then there's a reality phase. Uh, <laughs> and so the dreaming phase is really about defining the project. Uh, right. So dreaming with people, coming up with ideas, but really ultimately trying to um, get to uh, a scope of work that is in alignment with um, a budget. And then we go into the reality phase, which is really trying to make all the selections. And this is, I think, where it really tooths into the today's discussion is in that reality phase and how real are we going to get? Yeah. So, Dan Z, you, I'd like you to continue. Just talk a little bit about as the design end, as an arch- are you an architect? Yes, I am. Okay. So, as an architect, um, how hard was it for you to kind of get around the idea that we need to do everything? Because I think most people's experience with architects is typically we get to a point where it really will, we have a good idea of what we're building, but it's not done yet. The design's not done. Selections certainly aren't done. How difficult was it for you to kind of get to that point where you said, no, we have to make this happen? Uh, not really that difficult. I think um, partially because as an architect training, we are sort of taught to try to be as complete as we can with a drawing set. So in this case, you know, when we're integrated company and a lot of design build companies are this way, you know, we're, we're, we have the luxury of creating a set of drawings that are essentially shorthand for our own team. Um, I sort of make a, an analogy of if you're, you know, if I were to create a set of instructions for putting together a Lego car, it's much easier if you and I have made that car together 10, right. 15, 20 times. If I have to create a set of instructions on how to make uh, a building that I have no idea who's using it as an architect, I have to be very, 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 very thorough. Okay. Um, not all architects are created equal, 
Right. Uh, so, you know, I am not, that's not where my forte is. Uh, I am not necessarily, and I have people on my team that whose forte is to be very, very thorough. Right. Um, so I guess to your question, you know, for me, um, once we had that understanding that that, you know, that mentality is something that we should be rigorous with. It wasn't that I, I understood the the value of that early on, even if I sort of, um, in creating and working through alloy didn't always practice, practice right. that uh, approach. So Dan P just uh, from your perspective, what, what were some of the, I don't know if you want to call them challenges or, or struggles or just how did this all come about? Cause I'm, I'm fairly certain you went to a production manager roundtable meeting and somebody said, Oh, you got to do that better or something <laughs> like that. And you probably came back with some ideas that said, Hey, we should be doing this. So what, what, how did you, perceive that challenge as you started as a team working on this? Yeah. I mean, it, I think it goes back to when I first started three years ago and you know, I was the first estimator within the company. I mean, we had people doing it, but the first person that was identified as an estimator, um, which was, you know, at the time, a huge luxury. It took one of the owners away from estimating, um, it, you know, and as I started doing that and managing uh, kind of the construction process as well, um, it became pretty evident that we had a lot of um, a lot of push and pull uh, from architecture and construction during the construction process that I felt like didn't really need to be there. Like we could have made those decisions earlier and and alleviate uh, the the time that um, I needed to uh, take for those active projects because I needed to be an estimating on these projects that were in the pipeline. So, you know, I think the next move that happened is when we hired a selections manager and then it really became apparent internally, like how we could become better. And to your point on, you know, coming to an RA meeting, you know, one of the things that really stuck in my head at a meeting was some one of our companies said that they had bought a container to basically pre-order all their materials and have it stored on site before the project ever started. And that's the light bulb that went off in my head. Yeah. And I do remember coming back and talking with Dan and Zach and saying, hey, like, this is where we should go, because just think about how much faster a project could go if we had all those selections done, orders made, sitting in our you know warehouse or storage facility. Um, and so it's taken us a while to get there. But, you know, happy to say that, you know, it, it's worked very well. OK, that's great. So we have our own container now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. So what I want to try to do with this, and I, I'll explain to the listeners that this is probably one episode where I don't have everything sort of scripted out or all the questions to, there to ask. And so we're going to have a little more of a free flow here. But what I'd like to do is go back with Dan and Dan, like what was the very first thing that you did? to, um, we're going to get to the results in a little bit. Yeah. What was the very first thing that you did that started you on this road so that anybody who's listening that says, man, we, we need to do that. Sometimes we jump to the, like, yeah, we did this, but you know, what was that very first thing that really got it jump started? Yeah. I mean, I'll speak a little bit too, but then Zimmerman can jump in too, because I think it lives on both sides of our world is we basically identified all of our projects from the ones that were in construction to pre-construction to design development and then schematic design and just said, where are we with selections on all these projects? And we really started in the active project world. Um, and then we kind of went upstream 
uh, architecture worked at the same time on their uh, schematic design and design development uh, projects to jump in and start doing that stuff a little bit earlier. So we called those projects the messy middle, basically what was, you know, what was left in between where we are and where we wanted to be. Um, and that's really what got us on track with with getting to a place where we can now be 100%, you know, uh, complete or close to it uh, by the time it hits construction. Yeah, I, I would uh, I would say the even half step before that, that's exactly what we did. Um, but even the half step that I would recommend is is uh, is just making that commitment uh, and making that commitment team wide. And so that was, I thought, the an important first step is for us to go to all the you know production managers, the estimating, the selections, just say, here's our goal. Like, do we think this is cheap? We think it's achievable. Do we think it's worthwhile explaining why? And then sort of saying, okay, we're all committed to this. Now, how are we going to do it? And just like Dan said, you know, go through those projects that are, well, we're, this one's under construction. We're almost done. That can be done and checked off the list. Prioritize that. And then what's the next one on the list that we can get off, off. And then um, that was, I think, really critical to, to working through it. So Dan Z, how did you get past, like my experience with this kind of thing is you go to, and let's just say it's a designer that you go to the designer and you say, we're going to work to get everything selected before we pass the job to construction. And then there's this, I guess it's a red herring. It's that job where, well, you know, if it's like Mrs. Smith, you know, they wanted something that was imported from India and they wanted to see it before they actually selected it. And there was this long story about why we can't do this. How did you get past that? Or maybe I'm assuming that happened, but but yeah. how do you get past that? Well, well, so for us, I think it it uh, it was such a problem um, that it was that I think everyone was pretty bought in okay. to to the what you know making this change how would it improve their life and so on the design end you know what we found is designers want to design they don't want to be interrupted answering questions necessarily under construction and or we've just got a workflow and we we found is every time you get a little traction uh, there's a, a a flag that went up and was like, Hey, we got to make this, we got to solve this. And that just stops everyone in their tracks. Right. Um, so that, you know, once we sort of explained, we all saw it. It's, I mean, we saw it for years, but I don't know, we're, we're a little slow. I guess. <laughs> I mean, like you got to get hit over the head enough times for it to, to really kind of sink in. And I think really, you know, Dan coming back with this vision and saying like, Hey, this can be done. I'm seeing people do this. And then all of a sudden we're like, yeah, we, we can do that. So so Dan, did your project managers kind of laugh and go like, "Yeah, that's never going to happen"? No, actually, they were all oh. clamoring for it because okay. you know you got to realize that if you don't have those selections done ahead of time, and you go into Ruffin's phase and you don't know which faucet or which electrical right. fixtures go, it just it just slows everything down. It frustrates our trade partners. It really frustrated our project managers, and that was a huge benefit of making this shift. Is that just the internal mental health of our employees has increased vastly because there's no unknowns, you know, it's, it's, everything's defined. And if there happens to be one thing, it's not a big deal, but when there's everything out there that you just don't know 
Uh, you don't have the fixture. It's not on site. We need it to be there so electrician can look at it. All those things. Um, it's really helped uh, with the internal mental health aspect. So, Dan Z, I think the comment that you made about it just gets you out of the workflow and it takes your time and things like that. Would it be a fair assessment to say that if a designer is interrupted to make a decision in progress, that that takes twice as long as if it had been done in the design, or is it even three times as long? Because I'm thinking yeah, time, time management here seems e to be a big easily, factor. Easily twice as long. Easily. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And just be, because uh, the wheels are still kind of turning, right? <laughs> and it's, right. And you're sort of stopping it, but 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 still trying to speed up to catch up. But you know the client's not available, and you you know when you're in design, that's you know everyone's focused on making those decisions. Um, and I think once you get into production, you know again trying to bring the client in, trying to get the supplier, trying you know all that stuff just takes longer. Um, yeah. And it just interrupts your workflow of what you were doing, as you, right. as you well know. So. so you've got a commitment from everybody. You've gone back and looked at all the jobs in process everywhere that they are. Uh, and then, like, what's the next sort of uh, step to, to making this become a reality for you? Dan P., why don't you go? Yeah, I think it was just... Um... It was basically all hands on deck at that point. Um, everybody was jumping in because you had you have to realize at that point you've got you know a lot of projects that need to have the selections done. It's not an overnight process. I think I told somebody in our production group that you know it's it's an awesome goal to achieve, but you got to realize it's going to take you six months or a year to probably get there to flush you know your old process you know out of the system. So um, yeah, all hands on deck. Everybody was helping make selections. Everybody was helping to build the selections within the system that we were using to present to our clients. Um, architecture um, started working upstream sooner. You know, just just basically everybody jumping in, realizing that if we could get to that point, um, we were going to be in a better place. So this all sounds like chaos to me. <laughs> and so I'm wondering, Dan Z, if, if, was there any way that you guys had? like a process that you put in place to make sure that it wasn't like, Hey, I'm working on that. I'm, you know, you're not, you're not supposed to be on that job. That's what I'm doing. So would you comment on that? Yeah. Yeah. So I think the all hands on deck was, is, you know, spread across all the projects, um, right. meaning that there was like really a commitment to all the projects trying to move forward. I think to answer your question about like what process did we put in place, we developed a, a, a tiered system uh, of for selections. So we identified those items that were tier one that that are critical to either time frame or foundational um, decision making. So we've got really got to figure out the wood floor. We got to figure out the cabinetry before we can make decisions about other things. Then we identified tier two items, which you know maybe fixtures, um, things that have less lead time. And then tier three fixture, uh, tier three selections. And so some of those tier three selections, oh, okay, we can let those slip to get into construction because we, you know, that way we were able to get tier one and two done under um, under contract. And then because they're just, you know, we knew ultimately we wanted to get all three tiers done ahead of time. But wow, it was really critical to get tier one done on this right. project. Um, 
So I think now we are maybe now that we've sort of got our traction and all the things are going, we've actually stepped back from that uh, notion of tier one, tier three, and we're reorganizing how we go through selections. Uh, But it was an incredibly useful um, tool uh, to help us prioritize. So is the no pass zone in terms of no start tier one, two, and three? Because, you know, I think a lot of decisions are made in 2021, 2022, some great lead flow. And then, you know, if anything starts to slow up or we see any um, slow up, you know, not to put additional pressure on sales, but, um, you know, things sometimes get done differently and not that that should ever happen. But do you say like, we're sticking with this no matter what? Tier one, two, and three have to be met before we ever start, no matter the need. Yeah, I got you. Um, we're committed to to that's that's how we're doing. That's how yeah, we're doing that's awesome. So, um, like I said, we're we're committed to ninety percent minimum. You know, we our our target is a hundred, um, right. but you know, it's not always feasible. I think you know, um, filling the pipeline is always a pressure. Um, you know, we try making sure our team is is busy is always a pressure. But what we found is that it actually, in the long run, uh, makes the project more concise and quicker and lets us do more work. Um, even if we've got a little lull, uh, then it's just being creative with your time. But but we've you know recently delayed starts for two different projects because the yep. window delivery got delivered got delayed, and so we said let's not even. We're not showing up. We're going to delay it six weeks. Uh, communicate that to the client and uh, make that just gave us a little bit more time to make sure that everything really was in line. And then, you know, we kind of can shift production people around. But, um, yeah, it, it, you know, to your point, yeah, the pressure is always there. But really, I think having commitment from I'm committed to it from the design end. I know estimating is committed to it makes their life easier. And I know production is committed. Yeah. And that's that's really the basis of the question, because that commitment that you're mentioning is really the bedrock of it all makes it work. No matter what is happening, you're saying, you know, this is how we do it, you know, pipeline or not, um, you know, because if you start to put things in that shouldn't go in, you know, starting a job without selection, then you further go down the, the hill, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'll speak up in a little bit because I think once we made it through our first project where most of our selections were done and we saw how efficient we were in production. That was when we were, it was really easy to say that we were bought in at that point because like it it becomes easier to push a project for two or three weeks when you realize how much better it'll be because you've got one under your belt. Right. So for us now, it's almost a relief to be like, you know what, let's just push it two or three weeks. Like we'll get there. And then when we do, we're going to be be able to crank right through it. So, um, and, you know, on top of that, just having the luxury of having a little bit of a backlog um, certainly helped us. I think this was during COVID when we really identified a lot of these issues. And that was when we had one of our largest backlogs. And that kind of helps you be able to take your time on some of those things. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, And this is a, this is a concept I'm hearing kind of behind the scenes in in your wording, something that I've been trying to push with uh, my consulting clients. And the terminology that I use is getting the client to work for you and not you work for the client. Obviously we work for the client, but the whole idea that you're willing to call up a client and say, guess what? We can't start for six weeks. 
and and that's okay. That means the client is um, accepting that you're in charge, and so you're allow they're allowing you to do what's best for you and your company. Whereas many many contractors are just afraid. They'll say, no, let's get started. We'll do this. We'll do that, you know, because we can't push the client off. And so that that's I'm hearing a little bit of that. Tell me if that's not right. But that just feels like you've got a grasp on that that aspect. I would yeah, I would say that's true. Um, I, I think we're in a very fortunate position to to be in, you know, to be able to sort of say, uh, you know, this works best for us. I think when we make that call, we also put it in context for them. Like this is going to improve your experience at the project. You know, what we've found over years are, you know, three weeks where nobody shows up. It doesn't matter how great the project is. It doesn't matter how well you deliver it, that it's exact. It's, you know, $10,000 less. They don't care. If you're not there and their house is torn up, it's just not fun. So just put it in the terms that they can understand was, is really helpful. um, So maybe in that, in that context, Dan, uh, Z, um, how do you get your clients to make all these? Cause you guys aren't doing like, like a little powder room and you're doing a lot of some big projects. And so how do you get the client to make 20, 30 different decisions in the time frame that you want them to, to make those decisions? What's your, what's your tactic, if you will? Yeah. So, well, we don't always do it, but but the t- you know, tactics right. are to use the tiered approach, right? Okay. Help prioritize these decisions. So yes, you're going to make 256 decisions, but right now we need you to make 18. Okay. Right? So let's get those chunks done. We start that early um, so that that decision-making is happening, you know, two months before we're prior going to bid, right? And so then that allows us to just take... Uh, you know, you know, the saying is how to eat a whale, you know, one right. bite at a time. So, you know, that's the kind of mentality that we're, we're bringing to it. Um, and what we're what we're finding now with the tiered kind of versions is we're I think, like I mentioned, we're kind of making a little bit of shift away from that and organizing decision making around rooms, um, because what we're finding is what works for us. Right. Like making a decision about the cabinetry um, doesn't always doesn't always coincide with what the client gets excited about. So they may, they may get really excited about it. I don't know, toothbrush holder. (laughs) (laughs) And they want to base this, base the design around that. Right. Well, that's okay. Like as long as we're just getting that room across the finish line and that's what, what kind of catches for them and lets them make other decisions, that's fine. Uh, So we're, we're, we're both trying to be a little bit, you know, um, deliberate, deliberative, but also, um, flexible to to find just what works and and kind of push on that. So Dan, Dan yeah. P, just uh I'm just kind of curious what kinds of things would you consider we can we can get uh, we can get that after we get started. Can you give us an illustration of something that in your world it would be okay if it didn't get selected before we jumped into construction? Yeah, I mean, you know, we have paint plans and finish plans for rooms that we typically, you know, punt until sometime, you know, late pre-construction or early construction. Uh, not, you know, we've already got our paint bid. Doesn't necessarily affect that that much. Um, you know, some of the fixtures, uh, you know, if it's accessory related, we're okay. Um, but plumbing and electrical fixtures, we definitely want to nail down. Um, yeah. 
but uh, yeah, I mean, we, we try and get like Dan said, you know, about 90%, uh, 95% before we go, there really isn't anything now that really holds us up. If there is, we, you know, somebody raises their hand ahead and says, Hey, we really got to figure this out. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, I, I think that's so it. what, what keeps the team from just missing something. In other words, your plans are not, you're not doing cookie cutter jobs. I don't think pretty sure you're not, but what, what keeps the team from just missing like, Oh man, we just forgot all about that. How, how does that function? It's just process related. And we've got a, a very good process and Dan can speak more to it because it's really an architecture process, but uh, because that's where the selections are made. But yeah, it's just a process that ha- we all have vision into that we talk about even in production and pre-production that, hey, here's what we need to get done. Where are we at? Um, and then Dan can speak to his meetings that he has with his team. Yeah, I, I would say um, it, it we're, we're sort of horizontally organized. So uh, what I mean by that is we're handing off uh, at each step along the way. Um, but people are kind of if you think about the future in the past, you know, sales from the past, they're coming in and, and, and we have strategic meetings throughout the, the process. So we may be at 75% of design development. I'm going to be at that meeting. Our future selves, our project manager is going to be at that meeting. Uh, our estimator is going to be at that meeting, our selections manager. So it's a, it's a you know, a, a team effort where we have multiple eyes checking it at multiple points in the process. I think one thing that we we committed to last year was to have um, construction budget discussions at every design meeting. Um, And so that necessitates that more than the designers have to look at the project as it works through design, right? So estimating has to be looking at it every time we meet with the clients. Um, So what we find is, you know, over that period of time, Estimating's finding. Ah, I forgot to. I forgot to see that new. I, I saw it before, but I didn't quite catch it. And so, you know, what we're doing is finding those things along the way. And that's quite honestly what contingencies are for, right? Right. So, it, till we go out to bid, we're holding contingency in our estimating to just make up those little bits of things that you see each time uh, you go along the way. Wow. So. Basically getting multiple eyes. I love this idea of the past, present, and the future. You know, it's like getting getting that. It's like a rolling, it's like a rolling process. So at some point in time, I'm guessing sales kind of drops out, but maybe you add an add the project manager. And then as you're going on, somebody else might drop out of it, but they I don't know. I don't know all the positions yeah. you have, but it feels like a rolling process. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I- kind of like a relay race right where when you're when you're done with design development you're handing the baton to estimating and estimating is then wrote you know they have their process but it doesn't mean that design is done they're off they you know there's still questions they're still back and forth same thing and getting sales in and just like hey where <laughs> i know we said this before what's the temperature of the client how do we you know uh, yeah so if you getting- if you think about a relay race the person who just passed off the baton doesn't go off to the locker room and shower and, and, you know, get cleaned up and get ready for a date. You know, they're standing beside the track. They're watching the team run the rest of the way. And they're they're They come around, they're excited. You know, it's just, they're still engaged in that, but they're not actually running at that point. So I like that. I like that illustration. So, all right, cool. So Dan P let's talk a little bit about results because you started this conversation by 
idly mentioning in their, your last podcast with us that, uh, you know, this has really helped the company in a lot of different ways. So I'd like to just look at what are some of the results and maybe give us some illustrations, if you can, of a job that showed you that this result was possible because of all this work you did in the planning. Yeah, we um, we had a couple, and I guess both of them probably started late last year, if I can remember correctly, or early this year. Um, and those were the first two. We were super excited because we're like, oh man, all the selections are done. We've ordered everything. It's either sitting in a vendor warehouse or on site here. Let's kind of see how these go. One project was a second floor remodel. We were reconfiguring uh, one of the bathrooms in the owner uh, suite. And um, the other bathroom, we were just doing a complete makeover of the existing space, plus doing new hardwoods and paint. So basically the entire second floor was was being redone. You know, in, in, in our previous world, we look at that and we're like, you know, that's probably like a five or six month project. Um, so we continued to kind of go down that road of this is going to be a five or six month project. But knowing in the back of our heads, like, let's let's see what we can really do now that everything's kind of lined up. And that one came in at 12 weeks. And that's when we were like, wow, this is really working. Um, and it was, um, yeah, it was just a great experience. And the other project that was going in tandem with that was, was no different. It went exactly the same. So, um, that's kind of that 40 to 50%, you know, reduction in, in time, just right. because you're not, you know, waiting on delays for things to be delivered or decisions to be made. And, um, so it's really, you know, it, it got us to the point where, where it was like, we did have a little bit of a lull in production because we were like, well, we just kind of cranked through all this stuff way quicker than we thought we would. So that's when I tap on Dan's shoulder and say, Hey, you got to start designing more stuff. Is that when you took the whole company on a cruise to the Caribbean and, uh, just because you had money and you had time? Right. Exactly. No, that's, that's when we remodeled our office and yeah, added, added on to it. Yeah. There you go. That that that's that's absolutely fascinating. So, all right. So you've got uh, um, something that Dan Z mentioned earlier. I think was just mental health of everybody. I'm going to put that on the results list because yeah. less stress, less uh, you know challenge. I think the other thing maybe that comes up with what Dan just mentioned was just are, are you experiencing less? Oh, this is on back order. Hmm. because you've already checked into all, I'm just asking, because it just seems yeah. like that would be part of it too. Is yeah, that- you uh, certainly. I mean, there are definitely things that, um, you know, especially like when you talk about plumbing fixtures, sometimes you're, you, you know, we can just order it on build. It'll be here in a couple of days, but then there's times where that order is like, Hey, it's delayed for the next two weeks. You know, in the previous life, that would have been kind of a showstopper. Um, in this life, it's not because we're placing orders and pre-construction with at least six weeks before demolition. Right. So that two weeks of, you know, lag, isn't going to create an issue with us. So we really don't have, you know, anything that's out of stock when we start a project that I can remember, um, lately. Dan Z, do you have a comment? Yeah, I was going to just say, you know, with, with Dan's example of that project, the second floor, um, remodel I, just from a sales standpoint i interestingly was uh in that same neighborhood on a sales call hmm. um two weeks ago and the client said oh you know we, we 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 saw what you did next door um you know we've lived in this neighborhood for four or five six years we've seen four or five or six different companies do remodels and do projects here you guys are the 
fastest ones we've ever seen. <laughs> like, uh, so that, I, I don't know if we really, we're, I don't think we really are. We've never claimed to be the fastest right. uh, uh, ever. Um, <laughs> in fact, we're slow and expensive, but, um, <laughs> but it was nice to be perceived that way. Yeah. And so I'm assuming that helped a little bit with the sale if you're going to get one, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So what about dollars and cents? Because that's always, you know, pardon me, bottom line. How, how does this impact profitability? Uh, the, the podcast that Dan was on was all about gross profit per day. You know, what maybe Dan Z, speak a little bit to that as an owner of the company. How does this impact profitability? Yeah. So one thing I think um, that we're, I think have kind of figured out, but one, one result of that was the time and effort that we were putting forward into making selections now has to be captured in our design agreements. So making sure that we're right pricing our design agreements was a result of this and that we had to do some research and uh, yeah. a look back at past projects and try to then extrapolate the hours that were spent in the construction. How do we move those forward and yes. can we charge that uh, in design? So um, that, that was a, a, that didn't have, that happened after yeah. or midstream, just when you were talking about yeah. process um, it wasn't the thing we started with right. uh, by any stretch, but it was really sort of, okay, we've got this to work. It's going to work. Now we have to make sure that we're right pricing um, design. Yeah. yeah. I think the, tr I think the trigger there was we were noticing um, I go through the budgets weekly on our projects and I was noticing that our um, architecture time during construction was well over budget on a lot of our previous projects to, right. to the new process that we're in. And, you know, I think I got with Dan was like, hey, this is something that we're probably not going to see in the future because we're so buttoned up going into production, but you probably need to account for it in your architecture process. <laughs> and that's right. when we did, that's when you did the deep dive on data and, you know, how we charge for that. And so we're making adjustments throughout the, um, throughout the budget. And I think another thing I'm seeing on the construction side um, is that, you know, management and supervision time. You know, you got to remember these project managers don't have to spend that time, you know, diagnosing the issues, asking questions about where things are. Um, all of that can um, be reduced as well. So, yeah, this is a, I, I, I talk about this a lot with business owners about how they'll put, you know, like four hours a day in the budget for project management. And we're still going over budget. Every job we get is over budget on project management. And it has until this very moment in time has not occurred to me to say right. that might be a design problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I appreciate you bringing that out. I learn something every time we do these podcasts. <laughs> so I, that that's really fantastic. So we're going to wrap up here. Maybe if each one of you could just like give a last little nugget of encouragement, maybe, or an insight just to everybody that, uh, because what you've done, yeah, we're not going to go miraculous, but it's uh, it's pretty close. Uh, I think what you've done is is amazing. Let's put it that way. It's amazing. It's obviously producing results for you, and so uh, it's something that I wish every company could master. So just give give the listeners a little bit of uh, an idea, a nugget, I guess, to take with them. Yeah, I'll jump in. I I um. I was hopeful of of how well this was going to work for us. Um, I was kind of blown away actually at the results. So, I mean, I, I guess the nugget there is like, you know, just find a small project, right? Find that 
bathroom remodel that you just roll into without selections being done and just try your hand at, you know, having those done ahead of time and, and see how production goes. Um, I I think that's the real takeaway is, is, you know, once we went through our first project, it was just, um, yeah, it was super encouraging. Fantastic. Dan Z. Yeah, I would, I would, um, I would kind of go back to something we said early on, which is just commitment to, to the, to the plan, uh, and just get buy-in from everybody. Uh, and just, you know, it's hard to make those decisions to delay a project six weeks. Um, but um, you know, if you've committed to do it, just like stick to your gun, see how it works. Right. Like we know what's going to happen if we don't. So, uh, yeah. kind of stick with it and see, see what happens if you do, you know? Yeah. So this has been absolutely fantastic. I think just, uh, uh, we did something similar to this with a company out in California. They have a process. You guys had a great process, put it together and certainly given me some insight and I hope all the listeners. So thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for yeah. inviting us. That was great. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. So, Tim, this is this is a great follow up to the original uh, Dan P podcast, um, <laughs> yep. and we've learned a, a ton. You know, I think if we went back to every podcast we've ever had, I think that you're going to find some common terms in terms of the companies that uh, are innovating, that are really prospering, and that is commitment. You know, and that is buy-in is terms that we're hearing a lot of companies that make significant changes. So um, give me some highlights of what you took from today's podcast. So I, I think for those of you who are struggling with the decision, maybe to, because this takes work. I, you heard Dan say uh, six months to a year. There's so many things about our businesses that take a year to 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 transition to. And so you can't just like, oh, let's give it one shot and then see what happens. You got to work at it over time. But if you're worried about the investment that goes into that, just look at the results. Mental health, less stress on everybody. That ought to be worth, I don't know, $50,000 of investment. And, you know, it's like, that's worth it. Duration of of job time, just cutting the time of the job down. Client reputation in the community. Dan Z mentioned that. He goes on a sales call and the client goes, you guys are fantastic. How easy is it to sell that job? I mean, that's worth a lot of money there. The, you know, getting the money in the right place. Uh, you know, that's my way of saying they had to adjust their design agreement costs because they had to capture all the time that it really took to get a design agreement done when they were just hiding it somewhere in the construction process and and losing money over there. And then that the project management time, I made that comment. It's I'm so, so serious about the fact that almost every company that has strictly project managers, those budgets are way off. They never have enough time in the budget. And so they're losing. That's where their slippage is. And again, I'm, I will be totally honest with you. It just, it was that moment that it clicked for me. You know, maybe that problem is in design, not in what the project managers are doing. And so that's given me one more tool for my arsenal of helping companies as I as I work with them. So I've got a whole half a page of notes here. Uh, I don't know if we have any more time to keep going, but what about you, Steve? You know, I think 
really hit everything that you said. It's um, it's a company that no matter what they're going to face. I mean, the question that I asked about the pipeline and backlog, they're committed. This is a company wide, uh, really foundational element to the business of how they make decisions and how they run projects. And um, I think being able to lean on that and stick to your guns as a business practice is, you know, it reaps the rewards of everything you've mentioned of why they're such a great company. Yeah. And I think the the thing I just want to comment there is I had written down on my notes, how, how do you keep this going? And then I think Steve, you asked the question, you know, basically that answered that, but I think the idea there, there's a couple of things going, they built a process that, that, you know, uh, handoff process that allows everybody to see it so that they have multiple eyes on it. It isn't just, I'm the guy that sold it. I'm telling you, it's okay. Build the thing. So that's one, one part of it. And then they have a commitment from everybody. And again, in my world, I've often spoken about having a policeman and usually it's Dan P's position, construction manager, or, or whatever the terminology is that has to say, no, it's not ready. It's not ready. And that's really hard, especially when you have two business owners that are saying, we got to get this done. We got to get this done. And so it doesn't fall just on Dan P to say no. It falls on everybody. Everybody's committed. And I like that so much better as a team. Like we're working on this together to make sure it works. And so I, I, I just thought that's a mechanism for how do you keep this whole thing going? Well, this has been fantastic. We want to thank Dan Z and Dan P for joining us today. We want to thank you for listening to another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. And remember, at The Tim Fowler Show, and I'm going to ad lib a little bit here, if you thought your pre-construction process absolutely couldn't change, stop thinking it is what it is and actually make something happen. Thanks, everybody. This has been another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. Want to hire Tim and fast track your growth? Visit remodelersadvantage.com consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.